Uh, welcome to our community. This is Saratoga Beth. Let's talk about today's the Rambam's your site. So let's just talk for 10 minutes about the Rambam. Um, why do you want to talk about the Rambam? Right, this is your site, and so if it's your site, it's your site, therefore, right, Kyle Yeshua's the care of Aris, that he creates all kinds of Yeshua's. Raise your hand if you don't need Yeshua's. Nobody's raising their hand. What's going on? That's so strange. So he's here, and let's just think about the Rambam for a couple of minutes. Before we look at what it says in the Sicha, the Rambam, first of all, he does not have an easy life. So whoever doesn't have an easy life, I mean, his mother passed away in childbirth. That was no fun to begin with, um, et cetera. And he, um, there are so many details to it. And then he was ADHD to the max or something like that. Oh, oh, it was just excruciating. I mean, um, in other words, he, he went, his, you know, his father, Rabbi Maimon, there's a whole story about that, but we're, n- we're not going to look into it now, how his father was really an older buffer when he got married, got an answer, or, you know, a dream that he should get married, etc. But then, like, to have their first child, and, you know, I think it was his first child, and um, he's, a he's a widower right away. But when the Rambam was five years old, um, his father was learning with his brothers, like, maybe remarried, his father was learning with his brothers, but this little Maishala, it just didn't work. It didn't work because he was bigger than the vessels or smaller than the vessels. What would you say? Bigger than the standard way of teaching or smaller than the standard way of teaching? It was bigger. In fact, probably all kids today and all adults that are not able to really focus are not smaller than the system. They're bigger than the system. <laughs> That's why they just stare at the right, right. So it, because they're not they're not picking up on that frequency. So my daughter has so many questions. Right, right. They if you have too many questions, they right, right, exactly. So it's it's interesting. What they're trying to say is you're smaller than the system. You're too small to fit in our very amazing system. And really, most kids, for sure, the Rambam was too big to fit into their amazing system. So there is his father, you know, saying to him, come on, learn, let's go, let's go, let's go. And probably when his father would be saying, you know, okay, look inside and focus. So he, what do you think he was doing when his father was saying, no, no, look inside or something like that and focus? And he was probably imagining what it looks like when he was probably picturing literally this occurring in real time. So then he wasn't looking in the text. So he, so, and his, and, and his father in classical old, old Chinuch style, what do you do in the old Chinuch style? What do you do when somebody is not towing the line or not fitting into your system? You shame them. It's such a reliable system in the short run. You shame them and blame them. You make them feel ashamed of, of, of who they are and, and, and their kinds of, their approach to life. You know, la-di-da. So his father, now what would be the ultimate shame that, I mean, we don't want to chashom, Rabbi Maimon was a big tzaddik, but it, what would be the ultimate shame that his father, oh, sorry, you don't know, the story is that Rabbi Maimon was told that he should marry the daughter of a certain butcher. 
Now, he's a great, great scholar, so Kevin Lechutin, that's a butcher, no, 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 doesn't work. So, um, but this was what he was told from above. It's a beautiful story about the Shidduch and how the two the two fathers met, the two fathers-in-law met. So, um, what do you think, what would they do in the old style if a child is not learning and they want to shame him into learning? They think that if you shame him enough, he'll, he'll just toe the line and learn. <laughs> right? Wicked, wicked cackle. Yeah, they say, oh, like, hey, son of a butcher, you know, grandson of a butcher, start looking inside. Right? So, now, obviously, little Maishala, it, it just didn't—it just didn't work for him. He was now five years old. Like, I've had enough. He ran away. He ran away, and in fact, he—he he just, you know, he, as they say in the vernacular, he booked. He—he he ran away, and he so, and he found he was kind of on the roadside looking for um, wagons that were driving away, and he kind of jumped into a wagon that was on the way to, I forget, where where there was a big yeshiva, and he just kind of hid himself in, you know, under the straw and went. And when he came to the yeshiva, when he came to that town, which he got to, you know, free ride, he came to that town and he went into the yeshiva and said, I want to learn. Um, obviously, what do you think? The Rosh Yeshiva said, perfect, you fit our qualifications. Hello, uh, little boy, you're five years old. Or whatever, I th- I'm pretty sure I think he was five years old. So it obviously required some convincing, you know, to, it's not like he could say, you don't understand, I'm the Rambam. He wasn't yet the Rambam. He's just like, kid, Maisha. But somehow he convinced the Rosh Yeshiva, I hope I have all the details right, I got it in the book that I read about the Rambam, to take him in. Now, obviously, as a little child, he became a child prodigy. And one day, I don't know, how many years later, months, I don't know what it was, he traveled back to his town. Obviously, his parents or his father. I think he was five when this happened. I, I think so, if I, if, I, if I got the details right that he was five. Well, right, right, right. But obviously, he showed his ability to learn. And so, you know, go figure it. You know, there was no, you know, going on. Maybe refused, and what are you going to do to con- right? He probably refused. It's hard to say what what the details were. One day, some amount of time later, he went back to his town, and um, it could have been years later. I'm not sure. And he asked if he could. He kind of walked up to the bima after davening, and he um, he said he wanted to say a little dvartaira, and he said a dvartaira, you know, a rambam dvartaira, right? Which was Oh my goodness, you know, unbelievable. So everybody started to say, who, who is it? Who is this? Who is this young boy saying this very time? Who is this? And then people started to whisper, we think, I, however they knew, it's Rabbi Maimon's son. So, you know, I assume the, the reunion with father and son was quite emotional, whatever it was. So you understand his life was not exactly a bed of roses. You know, you start off right away, you're, you know, ADHD, or however they called it in those days. Um, I guess usually that means if you're ADHD, you're destined for greatness. The trick is to actually pursue that greatness and not get stuck in smallness, you know, which seems to be the challenge of today. <laughs> uh, right. 
Untapped brilliance. There you go. I'm not six six girl full time right. pilot. So, so sailing her high school horribly. They didn't want to throw her up, but they right. had to let her leave. She got a coach, and she's now like got a four point three. So maybe we should call this the Rambam, untapped brilliance, or, you know, ADHD, you know, slash untapped brilliance. So um, the the interesting thing then about the Rambam, now, that was the, the difficult beginning. No mother from the first moment, and then kind of rejected because his brothers, I guess his stepbrothers, were just standard. You know, they did what they're supposed to do, and they were like, you know, pretty much in the box, and he was too out of the box or everybody else, et cetera. Um, that kind of brilliance is, I mean, I assume, <laughs> I don't have that level of brilliance. I assume that level of brilliance is very difficult to contain in your everyday personality. It makes you feel uncomfortable, un- un- estranged, uncomfortable. Yeah. So now, he had a nursemaid, I mean, if according to this book, her name was Batsheva, and she brought him up. He didn't have a mother, and she brought him up. And at some point, you know, in those days, the Almohads would come and make everybody convert, you know, and stand with the sword and say, bow down to whatever, you know, I guess, yeah, like, I'll, whatever, and and declare, I guess, yeah, they were Arabs. They were Arabs, forced conversions to the Arabic Islam, to Islam. So my question okay. is, if they believe in the one God, then how is their conversion? So, so the Rambam, at some point, they needed to run away from where was where was he in Cordova? They needed to run away from there, and um, he said to his nursemaid, "You know, are you're coming with us, right?" And she said, "No." Now, this was his mother. This was a surrogate mother. You're coming with us. And she said, I'm too, I'm too old and I'm too fat and heavy to be able to run. And so I'm going to stay behind. And he said, but, 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 but they're going to come and try to force you to convert. Uh, yeah, this is a very emotional point. And she, you know, she asked him, what if I don't stand up to the Nisayans? What if I say, okay, I'll say the words that the that the crusader that the the terrorists want me to say, you know, right? Uh, very anyway, whatever. Yeah, yeah, very very emotional. No, no, but she was afraid that she would bow down. She was afraid that she would bow down, and so um, well, it was so emotional. It, it turned out. In the end, they got news much later, and it turned out that she did not bow down. She was uh, murdered. She did not bow down. Anyway, okay, so getting back to... If you have to, maybe. So the thing about the Rambam is his name means what? Rambam. Numerous, many, many, many wonders and miracles in not just the land of Egypt, in the place of constriction. Ever been in the place of constriction? Ding, 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 ding. So the interesting thing is, in the place of constriction, guess what's inside of that? those constrictions? Numerous miracles. That's so funny, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, but, but that's what the Rambam stands for. He stands for 
the fact that fact numerous miracles inside of a place of constriction. Isn't that interesting? That's what his energy is. So when it comes to Chavtavis, then we understand we're launching, oh, and interesting, the entire world is doing courses. They're launching their new courses today. Why are they launching their new course today? It's January 1st. What's the year going to be? We also say that. What's the year going to be? We're starting the year. We are starting the year. If we're the same day, it's starting on January 1st, but we're starting the year in a certain way on the 20th of Kavis, meaning what is the year going to be about that we're beginning now? Numerous miracles in the place of constriction. That's, this is the beginning of a year of numerous miracles in a place of constriction. We're there. Wow. <laughs> right? And, and every time we get good news of some miracle, we go, we, we, we're like all celebrating. Right. All Jewish people are right. celebrating every minute that they see something good. And I'm talking, we're all like, how long can we keep living? Like but there are a whole bunch of things that are, you know, personally upsetting. They're not upsetting to everybody, you know, of we, right? They're not necessarily, um, Whatever, there are just lots and lots of things that are personally upsetting. Like, um, you know, if it turned out that my air conditioning system costs a thousand dollars more, you know, they said, well, it's going to be a thousand dollars more than we thought. That's not a universal problem. Some people will say, eh, whatever, fine, so just put it in. I don't care. Other people are, it's a, it's a big issue. Right? So everybody has their, their, there are these general constrictions where everybody just feels like I can't anymore. And then there are certain specific ones that each to his own. Yeah. You know, in other words, there are lots of my struggles. Everybody's like, well, it's your big deal. You know, I, I, I have this new theory that there are rich people's problems and there are poor people's problems. I don't mean financially. I mean, there are the problems of like, how am I going to, how am I going to survive in life? How am I going to get through one day at a time? Those are the, right, the, what I call the poor people's, emotionally poor people's problems, just survival. And then there are the ones about, you know, spreading light, the rich people's problems, right? Now, not everybody agrees on, you know, what the constriction is. Some people, I'm not spreading my light. Other people are like, who cares? You're spreading my light. You got through the day is good enough. So it's very, it's very individual. The thing, though, actually, let's just look into this for a second, but the, the kunz would be, while we're looking at the constriction of just like, I can't breathe, everything's falling apart, imagine if we could, we could picture the miracles that are in there. I got this idea. I'll give you a little, a little exercise. I got this idea as I was walking to 770 today. Imagine that, you know, there, there used to be a website called The Power of No. And they said, you go further in your business by hearing people say no as many people as, as many times as possible. Um, and you need to practice. Somehow, maybe we should buy that website. It's no longer up. And they would teach people practice. Like, um, could, you, could I drink from that cup? No. Good. No. You, you, what you're trying to do, the exercise is get people to say no. Right. And feel like the no is going to propel me to personal success. Every time you hear no, 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 normally we shut down and we give up. They 
their point was to teach you the more no's you get, the more you Jack Canfield, you know, Jack. Right, but to see it as it's a personal criticism. It's a personal criticism. It's a divine opening, right? We know that. It's a personal criticism. If I say, you know what, would would I be able, you know, to borrow your car today? And you might say, no. That's a personal criticism. It's a personal slap in the face. Hashem says, those personal slaps in the face are my way of, oh, right. So that, right. Right. So now imagine this visual. So um, you say to somebody, could I this? And they say, no. Right? Oof. Right? So now picture that no as the person's handing you a no, like, no. Okay, boom. Wow, I felt like they just slapped my face. Okay, now picture beside it a pink wrapping paper box, beautiful wrapped box with pink bows and and fuzzy stuff all over it. And you realize every time they say no, they're like, they hand you this box. Not as a compensation because they said no, but the no is really a gift. Now, I personally have not – specifically the criticism. Yes. I personally have not um, conquered that uh, <laughs> that particular skill. I have not mastered that particular skill, to be, to be quite honest. But this is what the Ramam is giving us. He's saying every no is a gift with pink, pink bows and, you know, little hearts and all that. You know, they said at the, the UCLA in Berkeley – it's it's horrifying, but you know the student body is they're so totally messed up. So on the quad, they have all kinds of signs, and they have pictures of rockets surrounded by pink hearts. Oh my God! Yeah. Kidding. Mhm. Just so screwed up. Right now, the problem with that is, like I said to my son, what kind of a world are your children like? I mean, is that, can they even go into a, right. And no, no, it's not hatred. It's like, yeah, yeah, this is right now. You understand that the, that the younger population of, of the United States has become so drained of any normal thinking. They can't think anymore. It's only universities. Yeah, I know, but these are the future. This is the future. So first of all, what's the what's the life skill of today? To realize that revise my sim there it's the trend. And all the darkness, every time we find ourselves in a darkness, in a constriction, um it's really there there yeah. The last week I was walking down the street and I had had some kind of a very slap in the face kind of disappointment. And and at least I was able I was, I was not a very happy camper, but at least I was able to say Right, right. So so I was able to say, Wow, Hashem, you're really this is a real Pella. This is a real wonder, because remember, a Pella is a type of miracle that's so huge that you can't see it as a miracle. You think of Hanukkah, we say, three types of miracles. I forget. Whatever. The Pella, 
Niflaus Pella is a, is a much higher level of miracle that's not like, wow, what a miracle. You're just like, it looks like, oh, my goodness, everything fell apart because it's a very high-frequency miracle. So we are in a decade of plaos, right? Last week, last year was plus gadilas. Now it's plus the gulas, you know, visible plaos. So we are seeing the visible plaos. In other words, what's a visible pella? Um, <laughs> to my simple mind, uh looks like everything's falling apart, right? A visible pella is, I, I understand, we're really hoping a vis- visible pella means you'll see that it's an incredible miracle. But what we're seeing is the, the wrapping paper for these incredible plows, and it sure is ugly wrapping paper. Mm-hmm. It's horrifying, right? It's hor- I, I mean, even down, not even, but as represented by the issue with the hostages, there isn't one single yid that isn't in pain over the fact that we feel like they have us tied in knots and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, the sense of powerlessness and helplessness is overwhelming. As a as Jewish people, I don't know the last time we felt that. I mean, when the Holocaust was going on, those who were in the Holocaust probably felt it. Those who were who were in America didn't even know. Right. Right. But but that sense, but the sense of helplessness that we have now of being in a pella, um, uh, the Eretz Mitzrayim. Uh, sorry, not being in a pella, being in a constriction where there's no way out. It's just it seems so hopeless. It seems like they have us, they have us around, you know, in a, a, a what is it a a noose? Yeah, around the neck and just like there's no way out. You're just t- kind of tied. In a spider's web, spider's web, and you can't and, and you can't get out. So that is that is the quality of now, and yet, and yet we're being told it's Russia Tavis revised most of the Eretz Mitzrayim in this constriction where we feel like, oh my goodness, there's no way to, out of this mess, other than a big miracle, and other than Hashem coming along and doing it. And he doesn't seem to be doing it in an open way. And when's he going to do it? At must I? Um, Really, what's happening are massive, massive wonders, massive miracles in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why we? Oh, okay. So yes. Yeah, so let's look into the sikha for a second and see um, about the Rambam. It says, being in Mitzrayim, literally, he put together. What did he do? He was in this place of constriction that he's always on the run, running away. Didn't everything we said about his childhood? And he's always on the run, running away. And what did he do? He did this, as he's in this incredible constriction on the run, not just packed his suitcase and took a trip to, uh, Louisiana. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're traveling to Louisiana, you don't have all your stuff. You know, like, oh, I can't believe it. I left my, you know, whatever at home, that scarf that I needed. Why didn't I bring it with me? But on the run from the enemy means that's a big constriction. That's a very, that's a very contracted energy. And what did he do? He did all this expansive stuff while he was in this contracted energy of on the run from those who want to destroy them, God forbid. What did he put together? Mishnah Taira, which is a safer of Hilchas Halachas, which puts together the entire oral Torah, which is interesting because when you think about it, the oral Torah tells you, you know, the oral Torah, Torah is about, in a way, constriction, you know, do this and don't do that. What, what, you know, uh, uh, halachas tell you, um, you know, 
say this, uh, do this, uh, you know, light the candles this way and not that way. It's very, very exact. And yet there's an expansiveness. Usually, why do, why do younger people not want to hear more halachas? Because it feels too contracted. Don't tell me what to do. Everything, you're so OCD. They see it as us being OCD. You know, no, no, no. You can't eat this with that. You can't say this with that. You can't do this with that. Hey, man, like, hey, bro, just chill a bit and just be a little bit more expansive. Because halacha seems to them to be very contracted. I'm just like, I don't want to be OCD. Let me just do it my style. On the other hand, the, and the oral Torah, the oral Torah takes the constriction of all the halachas and expands it and gives you access to incredible freedom, infinity, infinity in these contri- con- contractions of doing this, these very specific things. So here's the Rambam. Right, it's the opposite. It's two opposites at the same time. And here's the Rambam taking making us safer about all these contracted halachas, and he's putting them all together in one book, which is really pulling them from all realms of reality and putting them into one book, very contracted. And with this book, he gave us expansive freedom in the most unbelievable way with his Mishnah Torah. And when, how did he write it? Oh, well, of course, then he must have written it in an expansive kind of time of his life. He didn't have any expansive times in his life. He always lived in a constriction, and he was experiencing expansion in constrictions. He was always either on the run or this or that, or the king finally became a dog. I mean, the story, he, 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 his brother supported the whole family. He was the Torah scholar, and his brother supported his family, supported him. And then it's one day his brother drowned at sea on a business trip. And so that's the end of, besides Rahmanislan losing his brother, he lost the, now, now he would not only have to work for a living, he had to support his brother's family. His whole life changed. So now he, now he had to give up full Torah learning and writing his farm and get a job. That's when he became a doctor. That's when he became a doctor, you know, et cetera. And his, and his being, it was a jam, yeah. So that's a, a whole amazing story. But but we're saying what he did. His whole his whole life is is living in these con- constrictions on the run and enemies. And then the kings the kings ministers are always trying to kill him, and he has to hide in a cave. And that's where he's writing his farm and all these other things. And at the same time, he's creating expansiveness for the entire world forever. How expansive is he? He's the only Pisic about Hilchus Mashiach. Right. He's the only one who gives you practical, right, contracted halachas about infinity, about infinite times that will go forever. He's the only one. He's the only Okay, so we're, we're, we're talking about, we're talking about the Rambam. The Rambam writes in the beginning of his sarm, of his Mishnah sarm, why he wrote it, why he wrote it. He wants to prevent the darkness that came in learning Tyra. Once there's a darkness in learning Tyra, then there's going to be a darkness in the world. Now, what is the darkness in learning Tyra? A confusion. Once there's a confusion in Tyra, there's a confusion in the world. And 
Therefore, the Rambam came along and said, there's a confusion in Torah, which is creating, and therefore we could understand there was a confusion in the world. I need to fix that confusion. So what did he do? He, he, he took the whole, the whole oral Torah and put it into a clear way. He said, I saw that I needed to put all of these things in a clear, in a clear language and in a very, very concise so that the whole oral Torah is in one place but one way that is very clear. What am I supposed to do at any given moment? I drank this much tea. Do, what is the bracha? Do I make a bracha achreina? What am I supposed to do? And Terabash Shabal Peh tells you. So the, the Rambam said, I see a need for clarity. Oh, so that means today, what's the Rambam telling us? On this very day, on New Year's, he sees a need for clarity. He sees a need for clarity. The world needs clarity. Who has the most clarity at this moment? We do. So our job is to give that that clarity. So we're just going to finish this paragraph. So the Rambam showed the way for all the generations, beginning with the Yidna Mitzrayim in his time, and then his halachas went to many places in the world, the Gerasa Rambam, etc., and in the generations after that, many, many Tzvarim. Um, and then the Rambam achieved a Geula in the darkness of night, in Mitzrayim. He achieved Geula in the darkest place. In Mitzrayim, in the limitations of Gullus. And he, now, what were we doing in Mitzrayim? The main thing, we were in slavery in Mitzrayim, when, as the Jewish people. But the big event of being in Mitzrayim is, Yitzhak Mitzrayim, getting out of there, right? What's the most important part of our time in Mitzrayim? When we went in, not so. When we were there, well, not fun to talk about. When we left, Yitzhak Mitzrayim is the whole reason that Mitzrayim exists, so we could get out of there. So the Rambam says, my job is Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Get you out of the constriction and the darkness. Put a geula into Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Because when we're coming out of, when we were coming out of Mitzrayim, it was, we, it was a gullus ending and a geula beginning. So we see, right, so that is really, that is really what the Rambam is all about. He says, find me a place of constriction, and I will show you an expansiveness. Through truth, through the ultimate truth, through halacha, and and through all of these things. And we said, so the life skill, that maybe we could, we'll, we'll, we'll end it with this. The life skill is thepowerofno.com. Whoever wants to buy that? Thepowerofno.com, meaning every time you feel like you've been slapped in the face by circumstances, you know, I wanted this and it turned out like that, then switch the visual, create a visual in your mind of, of kind of like the smack, and then replace it by this beautiful gift with pink flowers all on the outside. Realize that when that person said to you, or when, when you were told no, when what you needed or wanted was denied, denied, whatever it is, whatever it is, 
then it's a it's a gift from above. It's very difficult to do. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, it's so easy. I do it all the time. Uh, no, I'm not going to say, yeah, I do it all the time. You always see me so upbeat and oh, yeah, I'm, so, I'm just like I I used to be in. I used to fall into those hellos, but yeah, I haven't for the past 15 years. I've been so ghoul addicted. I will not make that claim. Claim, you know, so. It's not a simple thing, but if we use this visual, it's the Rambam's visual. It's the Rambam's slap in the face, turn it into its truth. If it were a technique, then you could say, okay, fine, a technique. But techniques will, yeah, techniques will only take you so far. If they're not based on truth, eventually you're going to see through this, those techniques and go for something better. Oh, oh yeah, he was he was smacked in the face by Hashem all through his life. Not having support in school, saying that he's worthless. Right. So our our life skill for the week from from today today happens to be New Year's Day for the rest of the world, and we were saying that there's only one day a year when the world is in hachlata mode, and that is. New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. That's the only time they're in haflata mode. And the rest of the year, they're in addiction mode. Whether it's eat, you know, smoke cigarettes or eat chocolate or other stuff that we're not going to, we're not going to speak about. Addiction mode. It's the one year, the one day of the year that they're in haflata mode. Punt on the Rambam's day. You could see that the Rambam is, is kind of running the world in that on his yard site when he creates, yeah, we're, we're going to see Mashiach, when he creates Kael Yeshua's the Karavaris, when he creates Yeshua's in the world, he he puts the whole world in Haflata mode on the day when he creates salvation in the world, right? So how did he do it through the laws of nature that there's one day that they're willing to be in Haflata mode? And then they have courses after that, you know, how to, what to do about the fact that you didn't keep your haklatas. But we could guide them in that because we know very well what that's like, don't we? Right? 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 But, no, but people, people, there are many, many courses now of, of, of people who are, you know, talking about, okay, we want to keep your year in a powerful year. So we know you're going to be in haklata mode for one day, but we're going to sign up for our course and we're going to keep you going. We're going to keep you going. So, anyway, we're just saying we want to take that visual and realize that the Ramam is saying, my gift to you is is the smack in the face, the rejection of I, I kind of know what I want and I'm not getting it, and yet it's a divine gift in pink, fluffy, you know, pink flowers. Well, in other words, accept the, the Ramam's life skill. Yeah, and accept the Rambam's life skill of saying, revise most of the errors in the Use what's the negative yeah. in your life and right. use it to propel you to great use. Right. And see it as negative. So we're going to end this off by saying that the Rambam's job, his shlichus in life, seems to be to teach us, to give us clarity in a three-word phrase, and the three-word question is, what is truth, or who is God, or what is God? And and in a world where there's tremendous confusion, and we now live in a world where there's such confusion about what is truth, 
then the Rambam comes along and gives us clarity. So it's no coincidence that on the day when he's able to create Yeshua's in this confused, crazy world, he actually, his yard site comes out to a day, the only day of the year when the nations of the world are willing to go into Achlata mode, which is New Year's Day. They're willing to actually go to a higher way of, of living other than their just basic addictions. And so uh, may it be that the, the Rambam, and in a couple of days it's the Alter Rebbe take, but especially from today, the Rambam should take us to a clarity in the entire world through, through Tyra of what is truth, who is God, what is God, and bring us to the Gula Mitzvah Fashlema with all the nations of the world agreeing to that this is it, and we should find ourselves in the third base of Mitzvah immediately now. Hey.